0: This is Continuum
1: Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Planet of the Apes, episodes 11 and 12. Did you think I would believe a forged letter delivered by a masked ape?
0: That letter contains the truth on my word. Your
1: word? Word of a criminal, a renegade, a wanted fugitive? Don't move, Worko. Don't you move. Boy, you could.
0: Your bullet couldn't prevent my finger from squeezing the trigger.
1: Welcome to Continuing Drag, the internet's foremost Urko fan podcast. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I do really like Urko. It's exponentially
0: getting greater my love for him as a character as this show goes on. It's to the point where when he's not on screen, I just think, where's Urko? And then when Urko's on the screen, I'm like, yes, yes, yes,
1: Urko, Urko, Urko. He really is the breakout star. My feeling is everyone involved knows that too on this show. I have a feeling it, it must be true. They're writing more for him. Yeah. I mean, the actor is just, like, knocking out of the park every single time. Yeah.
0: His character, I don't remember in the beginning him being so exasperated all the time, but it makes me laugh every time. It's just, like, he's a character that comes in, everyone is stupid to him, and he can't believe it. And I really relate to that. <laughs> he's your
1: spirit animal? He's my spirit animal, yeah. So, before we get into this week's episode, I was going to put a little a little factoids together here. I love factoids. About um, the... Person who developed the show for TV. Mm. or yeah, well, maybe Perhaps what, the creator? His name's yeah. Anthony Wilson.
0: Okay. What a generic name. What a generic name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say for a generic show. It's actually not a generic show. Well, I kind of had a, a quick look into him because I was scrolling through NDB and I was like, oh, what's what's up with the guy who sort of developed And it's weird, I hadn't thought of someone as being the creator of this. Mm-hmm. Because but, there was a book and movies, and movies and everything. But obviously, someone had to come up with a basic idea. So I thought I'd have a little look. Seeing as it's kind of Taking shape the further it goes in, I'm like, how much of this is the creator's mm-hmm. doing? And I, I don't know if I have an answer for you, but I'll, I'll give you my little facts about him. Um, he's the son of uh, MGM producer and writer Carrie Wilson,
0: hmm. who uh,
1: was uh, one of the writers of Ben Hur and Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh, really? Yeah, so well, those are two big ones to have on your resume. He's definitely like Hollywood royalty. This this son, and he was who? Sorry, who? He's the, he's this guy's father. His Anthony's father. father carrie wilson is his father he's anthony wilson Mm. maybe tony to his friends Mm, yeah probably big t and his writing career is actually surprisingly short i was kind of surprised maybe it's because he passed away in 1978 but in the 60s he kind of was doing like one or two episodes of you know whatever shows were on like he'd write one here write one there like cop shows adventure shows western shows like have gun will travel adam's family
0: unrelated i think you had to be a pretty good writer back then i know there was a lot of like like writing schlocky episodes. But just imagine being a one of these journeyman writers. We've talked about this before. That seems like it's maybe gone away a little bit. But imagine like one week you're writing Planet of the Apes and the next week you're writing The Fugitive and the week after that you're writing writing The Jeffersons and the week after that you're doing A Little House in the Prairie. Like that's a tall order to be able to get into those genres
1: back and forth. And it, lo- it seems like a lot of the writers on these things, that's what their life was. Oh yeah, I, 100%. I mean, this guy even wrote for The Fugitive. Like he bounced all over the right. place throughout the basically throughout the 60s. And then kind of as the 70s started... He started getting like a bit uh, longer, longer spans. Like he did seven episodes of a sci-fi show called *Land of the Giants*, hmm. um, which I, I read a little bit about. It's about a spaceship that lands on a planet, but everyone on the planet just really big. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's just Planet of the Apes with big people, <laughs> right? Uh, There's a lot of jokes. Like I can't believe how big that carrot is. So, so big. And uh, he had he'd produced a few things, like a few sci-fi horror TV movies, and uh, actually a TV show too. One called *The Immortal Man*. Mm-hmm. Which was basically just a fugitive, but with a man whose blood made him immortal. It seems like The Fugitive was a real big hit that made
0: a real ripple effect of everything else wanted to be a version of The Fugitive, huh?
1: I think it must have just been a good engine. Just such a good engine. Right, right. First thing where you had to reboot every time. He Also, the other movie I wrote down was, uh, these ones were kind of in the horror sci-fi vein before he did Planet of the Apes, was uh, a TV movie he produced called Horror at 37,000 Feet. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, and he actually um, was the story editor for quite a long time on Lost in Space. But uh, in general, though, he wasn't—he tech- wasn't really science fiction. He's more jack of all trades. And then, obviously, '74, he ends up developing Planet of the Apes into a show. And after that, he kind of ended up with a few of his own other shows. Actually, maybe he did. Maybe he created two shows before Planet of the Apes, two cop shows. Mm. And then he got Planet of the Apes, which he developed. And then after that, because that's '74, so he was only going to be alive for four more years. And kind of in those final four years. It was all sci-fi horror stuff for him after that. Right. So I don't know if that was like a genre he loved and he finally was getting into it or whether he got stuck in it. After right. Pan-Rabes. But he had done. Uh, let me go through it. Let me go through what I found out about him here. He did a TV movie called The Night That America Panicked, which was a dramatization of the War of the Worlds broadcast. Okay, Yeah. I'm Pretty good. Yeah. There was a TV show called Future Cop that he wrote the pilot to and I assume created. Yeah. Is that about a cop in the future? No, it's about a cop with an Android partner.
0: Oh, man, that old chestnut, huh? Starring Ernest Borgnine. Oh, I think we talked about this once before. I
1: think, I'm sure it's come up in one of yeah, our yeah. many dalliances into yeah, cop yeah. robot partnerships. Um, he wrote a sequel, a TV sequel called Look What's Happening to Rosemary. Looks what, yeah, Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby. Oh. A sequel to, I read the synopsis for it. It is so funny. The synopsis on IMDb was just like, rosemary's baby's all grown up and he's supposed to be satan's son but he's a bit of a disappointment oh oh it's, so it's like a comedy no oh no that was just the synopsis though so I'm like what is this movie i don't think it's a comedy at all oh oh we should check that out sometime and then his uh, his final credit um which i think was pr- produced earlier his final credit was produced earlier but wasn't actually released till after he passed away was a film called like a tv movie called computer side computer side c-i-d-e yes like Homicide, but yeah, yeah, with yeah. a computer. Yeah. It's, well, that one must mean some computer in 1978 or whatever. It's uh, its synopsis also starts off good because it says uh, it follows the last private eye on Earth. Wow. I was <laughs> like, what does that mean? The, 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 that was it. All the,
0: all the crimes are solved, at least they thought. There was a plague that killed all yeah, the just, just, Yeah, it specifically
1: killed all the gumshoes. <laughs> but that's sort of all I really got into. Not, not a lot to talk about, but I thought I'd give you a little... Idea of what and so uh, and so that was, was it. Like. And he and he passed away in the late seventy eight. Yeah, he was quite young, like fifties, early fifties, I think. Mm. So I think probably had he gone on a little longer, we would have seen a few more, uh, a little more output. Because he was just starting to get shows created and starting to kind of get some it looks like some momentum going behind like him as a creator. But but most importantly, he did Planet of the Apes. Yep, yeah, for us, nothing more important. That's right, and quite honestly. This probably would have been like great con stuff. He would have gone to a million comic cons. Right. He would have been like answering questions left you think, and right. You think people could uh, like the actors
0: who were on this? Do you think they're they're still uh, marquee names? They can go to a convention and be like, "Hey, remember the uh, the TV series? I was uh, I was uh, what's that guy who ran the? Uh, <laughs> I, I was the ape who uh, ran the games."
1: Well, I don't know about them. I think Verdun yeah. and Burke can probably yeah, pull, maybe. pull an appearance, but that stuntman who got bees in his mask probably right, he's can't. not going to yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we get into it, Jordan? Yeah, let's do it. Here's the IND summary for episode 11 The Tyrant. To foil the plans of a tyrannical gorilla who is trying to overthrow the chimpanzee prefect and gain control over a human farming district, Galen, Verdun, and Burke risk an encounter with Erko. Erko and Burke are forced to work together again. That was courtesy of Ape Freak. Ape Freak! Yeah, Yeah,
0: I knew it. What a freak. Um,. There's an interesting thing about this episode that we didn't know last week. I was last week or the week before where we were talking about uh, how the show had kind of become a little bit samey and how we were both maybe a little bit uh, wishing for things to be a little different. And I remember one of us had mentioned about wouldn't it be interesting if we didn't focus so much on Pete and Alan and we saw some more of the effects of what them just being there had. Right. This episode kind of does that in the sense of, it's not really focused on Alan and Pete at all, but I don't know if I liked what they did with this because it's like they introduced a new character to focus almost the entire episode on, as opposed to someone else that they've we've come to like learn about. Do you know what I mean? I guess
1: so. I mean, it felt to me like you're right. They're pretty the human characters are put aside, but it felt like it was like a Galen Urko third guy episode. Like yeah, but like they were the really price.
0: third guy episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was. He's he's the core of the story, but we'll, let's get into it. Okay, I mean, we start off getting to watch Galen Verdun and Burke work on another farm. Yeah, they just they love going from farm to farm.
0: I think that's how they're getting. Uh, the only way they're surviving, I think, they're eating at these farms.
1: Yeah, they do a little do a little work, get a little food. Yeah, this this one's run by a pair of brothers, Janor and Mikhail.
0: I thought they were father and son again because everyone they meet is father and son, but they well, the they're, age gap is a little yeah. weird.
1: The trivia on IMDb is uh, even though they look like father and son, they're brothers. <laughs> Oh, really? That's, someone wrote that in the trivia. <laughs> so it may not be true. But it is a weird thing to add if you don't know the that actual fact. Why would you put that up? I, yeah, I think someone just watched the episode and was like, thought what you did is like, oh, they look like father and son, but they're brothers. Hmm. They kind of live in this uh, farming district, I guess. And it's controlled by a guerrilla district chief named Aboro. Mm-hmm. And he basically, I guess... I don't think it's just him I think it looks like these farmers pay like these tenant farmers play some sort of tax they, they're grain farmers so they play grain tax but uh our bro keeps like jacking up the tax
0: yeah for all intents and purposes he's an evil tax collector yeah like you're sort of like uh, Sheriff uh of Nottingham. exactly yeah you're, that's rubbing, exactly. you're rubbing your fingers together. I was rubbing my fingers. <laughs> I forgot people couldn't see it. I was rubbing my fingers together in the classic, uh, there's money here sort there's, of there's sign. But only Luke could see. So sorry about that, everyone. But just just picture it.
1: Yeah. So these brothers are kind of complaining about how like they literally have nothing left because of the, how high the tax, the grain taxes have gotten. And it's kind of an interesting start here because Verdun basically proposes like a rebellion of some sort. Like mm. It seems like that's what he's going for. And he basically comes with this idea like, let's rob the grain tax card. We'll take all the grain They won't know who we are We'll show them our faces We're strangers They won't know who we are We'll bring it back We'll give you all the grain Which I thought was like What about all the other farmers? Why, why, why does Ginor get it all?
0: They they should be the ones Who let them in That's true but Also How many carts Have they overtaken in the show? Every episode They take over a cart oh, Don't it's, they?
1: It's Grand Theft Cart Every episode Every episode That and Drop Kicks That and Drop Kicks So they're like Yeah we'll go out They set up a trip line They do this They stage this whole trap But unfortunately uh, Mikael who's, who's had it up to here With these apes He shows up to help them out but kind of throws a bit of a wrinkle in the plan but they they throw a mask on him and they they jump off a tree and tripwire a horse and basically steal his cart of grain
0: but he rips his shirt at some point and you can see a little bit of his shoulder and the and the ape who's like being knocked out or whatever he like gives a look and he's like wait a minute That, (laughs) that one human has a ripped shirt i guess
1: i'll remember that for later file that away yeah and he does he does because he goes back and he talks to this uh this is Daku, the right-hand ape of mm-hmm. uh, the, chief, uh, the district chief, Aboro.
0: And we mentioned this once before, I think a few episodes ago as well. The apes are, are really d- look a lot more distinct now. Like
1: these two apes, uh, Aboro and what's the other guy's name? Daku. Daku. They look completely different. Well, this is it. Uh, like, Aboro's ripping him a new asshole. And <laughs> they get, you get this like really close, almost fisheye shot of this Daku character. Yeah, And they've definitely changed the mass They're... they're a little, they're not quite so rubbery. They're closer attached to the face, and his eyes are like bugging out. It's mm-hmm. a crazy shot, but I was like, "This looks insane." But like, I do like these new ape masks. I agree, I've yeah. Got. They're a little more expressive. They're a little smaller. I don't know. They just work a little better for some reason. Yeah. But essentially, he's just like, "You got to go out there. You got to find me, my my grain." And you know, they basically head out to shake down all the local farmers for clues. And when they get to uh, Old Janor and Michael's farm. Uh, Janor is telling, or Mikkel is telling Janor his brother about, "Hey, I stood up to apes," and Janor just is like beside himself. He's like, "You can stand up to apes? I've never thought about that before."
0: Well, it was an interesting point because I thought that was going to be the crux of the episode. I thought this was going to be the the thing that we were kind of talking about, like the humans suddenly realize, "Oh, wait a minute, we can rebel. We can rebel." It's not really what the episode is. And and I thought that scene was almost ended up being out of place because it felt like that was the direction it could have gone in, but it doesn't really. It really
1: teases it because what happens here is the apes show up as they're talking about this. They, you know, there's little... uh, Mikael gets a little lippy with them. They grab him and they find his torn shirt. And they're like, what were you doing today? How would you tear your shirt? They get in a little bit of a scuffle. The two humans try to run off. The apes shoot both of them. Oh, that was my favorite part.
0: Yeah, they just both run. And they both
1: get, from what we see shot dead no way they're not shot dead it's true they very much look like they've both been shot dead and then they like they burn down the farm and right away and uh when we come back from we break galen verdun and burke return to the burnt out farm they're like oh yeah but of course uh Janor, the brother who didn't help the robbery he hasn't died he's
0: he's got like a, a cut on his head i guess they've it implied looks like that he's had like a the a, bullet winged his forehead yeah and i was like no way he got shot like point blank in the chest Anyway, I was like, they should be both be dead. But I did like how his um him getting shot, he was laying perfectly um, straight on the ground with his arms and legs perfectly straight, laying there like no one ever does.
1: <laughs> so wait, that's how you die. You're that's how like you die, yeah. And it's great because they come back and they're like, well, what happened to the farm? And he's just like, Arboro killed my brother. He needs to die. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be full ape rebellion now. Because Jenner's just like, we need to kill him. Yeah. We need to kill him all. But, um... Record scratch. Verdun has a better plan. Why don't we tattle on him to the (laughs) prefect? I know. I know. It's just like, it's like the writers were like,
0: yes, yes,
1: meh. Well, we can't do that. We can't afford that. So. Yeah, we
0: can't afford a fun
1: episode. So, so let's go talk to someone. So, essentially, they're like, yeah, we'll go tell the prefect who runs the district that our borough's a, a baddie, and then he he'll get in trouble. And they find come to find out that uh, the prefect is a ape named Augustus. Yeah, who's an old family friend of Galen. It's his cousin. Oh, it's his cousin. Right. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure yeah uh, so, so Galen goes to drop in on him just to have a conversation and Galen loves to put on a fake voice. He comes in. I wrote that too. I said every episode now. I said Galen loves
0: doing funny voices. I would say
1: almost every episode he does one and it's been happening since the beginning. He yeah. loves to put on a little a little act because basically Augustus isn't looking up. he's like reading papers and Galen comes in and like puts on a funny high-pitched voice and tells a story about two two little ape children stealing some apples. and it's a fun story from their childhood mm-hmm. but basically he's just like, tattles on Elboro, Arboro, and uh, Gus is like, I can't believe this. He's going to get in trouble. They basically tattle on them because they're like, he's so bad, and he's
0: so mean to the humans. However, from what we've seen now, we're in episode 11. Is he any worse than any of the other people we've seen in charge of these towns? We've seen people, them being forced to fight to the death. We've been seeing them like tortured in different ways. It's like, Oh, So he's taking more tax than he should. He, he wasn't burning down the house I, like
1: those uh dragoons. I think it's the murder part. I think, I think what they have established is that like they're not above the law entirely. Like, I think stealing taking their grain was one thing, but like shooting them dead in the street right. was maybe like the tipping point, right? It's it's tough. They never haven't established it, but there has been some talk about like with the dragoons, you're like, you can't just ride around killing humans, like, there are laws still. <laughs> one thing I noticed was
0: Galen says to uh, was Augustus, he, he goes, our kind usually fill administrative positions, not gorillas. is what he said. And I thought that was interesting. I thought they were also going to lean a little bit more in, I, I hate to say the racism between the apes, but these separations and how they see themselves. But they... They only kind of
1: hinted at it and then left it, you know. It's weird. They do say that because what happens basically is as soon as he gets there and Augustus agrees to basically represent a borough, a borough like walks in and hands him a sheet of paper and says, you've been transferred to a different district. A crappy one. I'm the new prefect. Yeah. Go, go to whatever uh, terrible town you have to go to. And Augustus like, it's just like lays down and takes it. Like, yeah. He's like, well, I guess that's it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Galen. But yeah, Galen's shocked because... Our kind usually has these roles. And it's the first time anyone's ever said that. Mm-hmm. But we've seen it clearly. We have seen it. It's the first time it's ever been explicitly acknowledged. And weirdly, in the context of this episode, I think it's not being said exactly to like counteract the idea like why these kinds have things. Like, I think the idea is he shouldn't have it because what we'll come to learn is he's bribed his way into this right. position. So, like, the only way he could get the position was corruption. Like, his kind can't have those positions. So, do you think then the system is just set up against? Gorillas. gorillas I do yeah I actually do think that's probably what we're seeing here because obviously there's some prejudice against them mm. so much prejudice in this world of apes I know you wouldn't think so but there it is uh, but I did like a as he becomes a new prefect he gets a cool new, chest new plate. collar thing yeah, yeah yeah. it was very cool and uh, as you would though if you became prefect you're not gonna keep your old outfit oh uh, dressed in nines
0: now as we've seen in a lot of shows and I'll, I'll remind you of when we watched Dune as soon as you're in charge you change your outfit you don't wear your old sweaty rags. Oh, you're right. You are right. You can't. You can't be seen as just your old nobody self. Absolutely not. But at this point, Urko shows up,
1: and the reason I know Urko shows up because I wrote, "I'm instantly happy." <laughs> well, that's it. Obero's uh, kind of like Celebrating the new prefect chip With his uh, right hand man Dooku do- Dooku from uh, Star Trek yeah. Star Wars Something yeah. uh, Whatever Doesn't matter Urko drops in Because uh, he wanted to Congratulate His old pal His old pal From the academy Yeah I love that there's A known academy The gorilla. Ca- How much do you want to see That spin off Young Urko at the
0: academy I love it I'd love to see it The, the, G- the JG years What do they call them Yeah
1: <laughs> And the Star Trek novels, or something.
0: Yeah, I know that was that was just really good. I sorry.
1: <laughs> they start to joke about the old times and like laugh about getting old. Arboro's been stuck at a terrible job basically. Yeah, and it comes up that Urko drops his... like he was caught cheating twenty years ago in the academy, and he's kind of stalled his career out. That's why he's just some district chief in some like little farming village, mm-hmm. and hence why he's excited to get the prefect. He's been like basically Urko's climbed to the heights of high. And this guy can't get beyond that. But Urko seems genuinely excited for his friend. Absolutely. He's just like, I never really believed
0: all that, all that stuff people said about you. You've kind of proved it. You're great. They've everyone
1: else is finally recognize that you're also great. I mean, you do get that. Ebro is just like, sort of pushes him. It's like, do what? like, and Urko's like, yeah, I put you up for promotions, but like, I couldn't do. Much. Like, it seemed like Urko's happy for him, but maybe didn't really like push as yeah, hard maybe. as he maybe could have. It, there's... there's a weird tension between them that kind of was cool. Like I'm just like,
0: yeah. There, there clearly is. Well, there's a animosity from uh, a Boro, mm-hmm. a Boro towards uh, Urko that Urko doesn't seem to have the same way, or at least there's there's a, a, jealousy, there's a, there's like, a yeah jealousy yeah. competition sort of between the two for
1: sure. And you know Urko's at the top, so he's very magnanimous down, but he he, he does like stick a couple old wounds while he's there just for just to see him squirm. Yeah, Urko's is still still he's a he's, a, he's, jerk. A jerk. He's, still he's a jerk. He's a jerk. He's a great villain. Jerk. But you know, Urko's is like, I gotta go finish this inspection. I'll come back. We'll have a big celebration. It'll be great. And we we cut back to Urko or to uh, Galen, Verdun, and Burke, and they are piecing together a conspiracy. I know that I am just like, how on earth did you guys manage to piece? Like, I heard all these things said out loud in dialogue, but they really they really piece together quickly.
0: Yeah, they jump over a bunch of stuff that you think they would need. But what I liked about this scene because this is the scene where they they kind of reveal the mechanics of what's going to be happening in the episode. Pete is knitting, and Alan is polishing just a branch, what looks like a baseball bat. And to my disappointment, those end up being things that they needed. I just wanted it to be a thing, that they just needed the character's hands busy. And I love the idea that on off hours, Pete's just knitting. I did like that, too. But but unfortunately, what we find is, and not to jump too far ahead, is that they're making a costume for Galen. Galen.
1: Essentially, do you know what a Burroughs sort of scheme was here? Like how he kind of bought this prefecture? Like he'd been taking this extra grain. And what do you know what he's doing with that grain? No. He was trading that grain for gold bars from the local gold mine. Right. And then he was taking that gold and going into Central City and bribing people on the council to sort of set this up. Like it, it's a very complicated scheme. He's clearly been running for quite some time to like set himself up. I was kind of interested in the whole, like, conspiracy behind it. I, I was hoping we'd go to this gold mine. Like, I was really hoping we'd see it a little I'll be park. honest. I was mostly focused on peat knitting, and I probably got a little distracted. But, yes, you're right. They figured out the conspiracy, and now that uh, old Augustus can't get them justice, they've sort of come up with a new plan to kind of get back at our borough for yeah. for murdering old Mikal and burning down the farm.
0: I think in terms of their plans that we've seen so far, because a lot of times they're like, we've got a plan, and the plan is just to run in and dropkick someone. This plan's actually not bad. This is certainly their most complicated one. Yeah, so Galen gets to play a character, and yep. the character he gets to play is Octavio. Octavio. Yeah. A- Zaius' assistant. Zaius' assistant. Who've I don't think we've ever met, have we? No,
1: but we do get confirmation this is an actual part.
0: This is what this he world. looks like. So basically he's playing Octavio. He comes to um, acts like a real pompous kind of jerk, and basically comes to uh, uh, Aboro. Aboro, and is like, look, here's the deal. We want to make you the new head of... What would you call it? The army or whatever. Yeah, we want to replace
1: Urko with you. We want to replace Urko with you. So Zayas has been watching you. He likes your style. He's seen you doing the bribery. He knows you're conniving. He knows you're the man for the job. The ape. The ape for the job. Yeah,
0: you're the ape for the job. Uh, Basically wants to get him to not only admit that that is what his goal is, but also to admit that he is dishonestly in that position. And But then it got complicated. I'm like, did they also want him to... I like get rid of Urko because here's my my real quick point. I don't know why they cared at all because let's say he did take over and he became the prefect. The prefect. What does it matter? I think. And also like let's say he took over Urko's
1: job. Well, Urko's their villain, their enemy who's chasing all the time. So it's like, oh, there's a different guy. Who cares? Well, I think what it is, is they want to get some sort of justice for their friend who was killed so the guy we just met the guy we just, we just met there. so they're compelling our borough to basically commit treason they're like let's find a way for you to get Urko right. out of his job because we'll, they're, they're dangling the carrot you can be the new Urko but to get there we need you to commit some sort of crime and pin it on Urko because they don't want they want it to look sneaky they want it to look sneaky so that when Urko finds out Urco's gonna like, yeah. arrest him. And they propose like a bunch like, why don't you plant some gold on him? Or I was just like, just uh, I don't know, why don't you type when he cheats at horse racing? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I like there's like uh, there was actually a line that
0: said Urco never really approved of corruption. I was like, yeah, but he approves of like cheating at gambling. He, he definitely approves of that. But apparently
1: yeah. he is spick and span when it comes to bribery. Yeah. But I did like Arburo. They they run all these scenarios down. Arboro's just like it looks like he has a headache. He's like, listen, let me just kill him. It'll be so much easier. Yeah. And Galen, I don't think he ever intended to quite go that far. But Arboros is like, listen, shut up, uh, Octavio. I'm just going to murder him. It's easy. My buddy here, uh, Daku, he knows this human, kills people for us all of the time. So uh, don't worry. I'll invite him to dinner. We'll cut his head off. But he is still skeptical of Galen slash
0: Octavio. So that's when you find out that is what the guy looks like because they kind of do their research and they're like,
1: oh, he does look like a guy that wears that collar and has a cane. It is. It is a kind of a it's sort of a minor subplot. It sort of happens over a commercial break. But as Galen leaves the first time, our like immediately it's like, I do not trust this guy who shows up out of nowhere. Go look into it and find out if it's true. And when they look into it, they find there is a man with a limp who's pompous, who is actually the assistant. Now,
0: do you think the way they got that information is they went up on the top of the hill? And they reflected it to one guy who reflected it to someone else. And they're like, hey, does he have a cane? Reflect, reflect. The other
1: guy's like, let me check. Reflect, reflect. Then they're like, yep, it's a cane. Reflect, reflect. Is that how they have to do it? Well, they tease how it happens, which I want—we I really wanted to see. Because he sends Daku, he's like, just go like, to the camp where Urko's men are. Just, you know, casually ask around. I would have loved to see the, the scene where, he, where yeah. Daku he's has no hand, subtlety. He's got his hands in his pockets whistling, like... So, anyways, guys, uh, you hear anything about that, is uh, that assistant? Does yeah, this assistant have a cane? Just wondering. Yeah, I heard he had a little bit of a limp. Yeah. I, there's no way it was a subtle move, but it, we come back, and basically, the second stage of the big uh, Galen Verdun Burke plan is, is kicking off. Daku is like riding his horse off. He's going to go recruit this uh, human assassin from this nearby town to come in, and uh, they do their classic uh, jump off a tree and capture him every episode twice this episode
0: yeah it's crazy it is funny that the choreography of this show in terms of action sequences it's the same thing every time and not it's not bad by by any stretch but you every episode you're going to see a drop kick someone uh jumping on or off a cart and someone jumping out of a tree every episode you got to work with what you got i guess yeah and they got
1: a lot of trees. And
0: they got a lot of trees, yeah. The same park they are been looping
1: around in the whole time. Yeah. So they capture him, tie him up, leave him in a bush, basically preventing the assassin from ever hearing about it. And then they head back to the camp where Urko's staying, and they forged a letter in, like, They've stolen a the seal from burrow and they've stamped it. And they put on the old uh, Dragoon mask on Galen. I know. That's what I wrote. I was like, is that the Dragoon mask? I'm it sure s- looked like absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I, think they have, I guess they still have the pistol from that, too, because he goes in there yeah. and, like, waves the pistol and, like, basically holds him at uh, Urko at gunpoint. It looked like almost like a bank robbery sort of thing. Yeah. And he hands him the letter, and Urko opens it, and he's just like, so burrow's trying to kill me, eh? He's like why should i believe you when you wear a mask and like there's kind of a bit of back and forth like Urko's not gonna buy like this plan is yeah. not working actually yeah and at some point irko even like flips the table and like knocks galen down gets the mask off him and like yeah. has him at gunpoint and it's it becomes a bit of a mexican standoff because like income because alan comes in income it's alan and holds him at gunpoint and then eventually verdun will come in and hold them all at gunpoint yeah but essentially they kind of Try to convince him this assassination attempt is real, though they leave out the part that they set up the assassination. Yeah, right. But essentially, they talk him into it by saying, like, A, we have you a gunpoint, and B, like, let's come up with an elaborate scam to prove it to you because you don't believe the letter and you're not going to believe us now that you know it's us. But why don't we go to dinner? Galen and Urkel will go to dinner. Brooke will show up at the door, knock on the door, and when uh, a burrow comes, they'll be like, hey, I'm that human assassin you hired here to kill that I guy. Know, it was
0: such a weird plan.
1: Don't you think that was odd? I mean... Of, of the, like, because the idea was that he's
0: going to say it in front of Urko, and he's like, no, shut up! And then Urko's like, what do you mean? No, you? well,
1: but there's the thing, though. Like, he's going to come to the door. They're not supposed to hear. Like, they sneak right. off and try to, like, basically Galen, they're like, what we'll do? Urko and Galen will sneak off and, like, catch him in the act by, like, listening in and then jumping in. You'll hear this guy was clearly right. setting up this actual assassination, and then you'll believe us sort of thing. What I found really great about this is this is... A classic Mr. Big operation. Do you know these police tactics? Canada's no. had a few of them that have been like huge debacles. No. But it's like... Well, sir, what are they called? Like it's a Mr. Big operation. Oh. Huh. The essential idea is the cops basically meet a person and they're like, oh, you want to commit a crime? Well, we'll introduce you to a guy who can help you commit a really big crime. And that guy's also... A like They got in trouble for it because they've done it a few times where they like find people who are like Muslim who, you know, either have mental health issues or, you know, just like... They're not. They're basically like these guys will never commit a terrorist act because they can't. They just don't know how to. But what we'll do is we'll provide them with the bombs and the guns and like set it all up. And then like look at they're terrorists because but it's like they would have never got there on their own. Right. Like the thing, Alberto would have never got to assassinating Urko on his own if they hadn't pushed it. Yeah. It's this is all like the biggest entrapment thing. Like they set up this to like well what it is is they know he
0: has those tendencies and that history sort of they know somehow and they push
1: it because he made the mistake of messing with their friend right and it's like they just wanted they wanted to get him in some sort of trouble but they basically created this assassin like they've they've escalated to such an extent right for (laughs) like it was just insane i'm just like this is almost villainous at this point what they're like how far they've pushed this they're almost the bad guys of this episode so it's dinner time urko shows up well yes urko galen show up But what they don't know is in the intervening time between them telling Urko all about this and riding over for dinner, someone found Dako tied up in a bush. Mm-hmm. He's come up back, he's told Aburo he never got to talk to the assassin, somebody knocked him out on his way there. And was like, That's weird. Well, new plan. Let's just light this bomb and blow up Urko. Yeah. Same same thing. Same Oof. result. Cut out the middle man. Yep. So when they show up for dinner, and there's a knock at the door, and our bro gets up to go see who's there. And Burke Sanders is like, hey, it's me. That assassin you hired, he knows he didn't hire an assassin. Yeah. So Urko and Galen listen in. He's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Who are you? Like, this guy's, like, not falling yeah. for it. Urko could not be more ecstatic. He immediately, is like, grabs Galen. He's like, arrest that guy, Burke. Yeah. I know who these guys are. These guys are liars, and they were trying to convince me. You're trying to kill me. But they they didn't get away with it. We got him. We got him. He's so excited about it. And it kind of is funny because it works for a bit. But his plan was, I guess, someone's supposed to light the fuse when the wine is served. And Urko sc- shouts for wine to come because they've caught these two mm-hmm. guys. And, of course, that means somewhere That's the signal. on this windowsill. I guess I guess Urko would have sat with his back to the windowsill and the dynamite would have exploded <laughs> his head <was> and off <laughs> his body. <laughs> I guess, yeah. But anyway, th- clearly the bomb has been lit borough starts getting a little nervous. He's He starts getting a little, little tense. He wants to get to the door. He wants to get out. He's like, I gotta, I gotta go check something. I'll be right back. But all the doors are locked for some reason. For some reason.
0: And there's not only are the doors locked for some reason and he can't get out, but then when they need to open the door like
1: two seconds later, it is unlocked. Well, the, the, what happens is basically he starts freaking out. He finally has to admit. He's like, there's a bomb in the room. Like, we have to get out of here. We have to get out of here. And goes like, what do you mean there's a bomb in the room? And then Verdun steps through the window holding the bomb with the pipe. He's just like, you mean this bomb? I know, it's weird. <laughs> it's great. It's got like a burning fuse. Essentially then Verdun just holds this flaming bomb and negotiates the freedom of Galen and mm-hmm. her. And why didn't he negotiate for his own freedom? Go that's it, Urkel. That's we're not running
0: anymore. Well, wow, you can't you can't hold the bomb forever. But I also like that at one point, uh, so Pete goes to Alan, Oh, that you took a real chance there. and he's like, I already put it out. I was like, what no, no he said he like, already deactivated he said or something
1: he, he, yeah he said he dismantled the bomb but it's it just looks like a stick of dynamite with yeah, a fuse on yeah that's it. what i mean i'm like you can't do that if it's just dynamite it's still burning toward the dynamite yeah. it didn't make any and they leave it just burning i know that's what table. i mean And i was like he's alan like, you didn't put it out like it's not i don't think that's how diffusing a dynamite stick works it's kind of weird and then that's the thing too they walk out a door after he's tried all the doors they were locked and like there's just a thing where Verdun's like i locked all the doors but that one so he could walk out later i'm like well how did like, yeah, it just, it, was,
0: it just was it was locked for no reason. Then it was open for no it, reason. It was it
1: was a little confusing. But essentially, they get away. Our burrow is caught in the act of trying to assassinate Urko, so Urko is not too pleased and puts him under arrest. And that kind of like wraps up the episode. Yeah, it ends up real fast. It, it sort of is the end of it, and you know they're proven right, I guess, and get away. And Arburo goes to prison, and Urko doesn't die. Urko uh, uh, lives to another day. He lives to see another day, which brings us to. Episode 12.
0: Now, this episode is called The Cure, but I thought a better title would be called Purification by Fire.
1: (laughs) What do you think? That's pretty good. Yeah. That'd be pretty good. But it is called The Cure. Yes. What's the synopsis? Here's the synopsis for The Cure. So,
0: you're familiar with this disease? It's malaria. (laughs) How clever. He even has a name for it. Enter. Go call the guards. I haven't the time to fool with this man. Please, sir. Please, uh, the guards sir, aren't necessary. Uh, as you see, uh, malaria means uh, simply bad air, like the type you find around those
1: stagnant pools that we passed on our way in here. You see, sir, the mosquitoes that live around that stagnant water carry the disease, and it's communicated by their sting.
0: That is enough. I don't know whether to have you shut for stupidity or hang for insolence.
1: With the help of an ape doctor, Verdun and Burke race to concoct a cure for a malaria outbreak. They must succeed before Urko implements his own version of a cure, burning down the village with everyone in it. Yeah. That was courtesy of Ape Freak. It was Ape Freak. Yeah, of course it was. He's the only person.
0: Actually, I shouldn't say that. A lot of people really do like this show.
1: We had other people to start who were writing yeah. synopses. I think he. But just, it's just
0: Ape Freak's just pushed them out of the way. And he's like, no, no. I am the Ape Freak.
1: I will finish this first <laughs> I will finish this synopsis. It's kind of interesting opening this episode because it like opens almost like a slave labor camp. Well, no, it like almost. I mean, that's true. It is at a slave labor camp, which you've seen before. But it opens almost as if it's the end of an episode. Oh, with that guy? Because that guy's like saying, why do you got to go? You guys can start a knife life here. And they're like, well, we just got to keep going. I think Burke even says he's like, we got to go because we got an itch on our feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So
0: so what it is is, yeah, you end that there's a story we never saw. They had some sort of venture in this town. It's time to go. And what you also get the sense is, is that Alan had, at most, a somewhat inappropriate relationship. With, with this so- old man's daughter. With this old man's daughter. At best, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? And what most likely is he nailed his daughter. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how she's acting.
1: She's very upset that he's leaving. They, like, she's mad at him for telling her, like, he's from another world. Like, there's this whole yeah. thing. No, what she's angry at is. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's abandoning he's,
0: her. Yeah, he he loved and left her. Yeah,
1: essentially. What I did, like, I wanted to go back to this. We have to go because our feet are itching. Mm-hmm. At this point, it seems like they don't have any motivation anymore. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about this before, but the show was at first.
0: We gotta find somehow to get this little doohickey metal thing working again, and maybe that will get us some information. Then it became they teased the possibility of these like vaults with knowledge, yeah, in these it. caches. Then it became well, it didn't become anything. And to then do it bad. just kind of it's just wandered, and now it's just.
1: That's what we do. We're the Incredible Hulk. We just wander and wander. I it's mean, like, why? Because it was the first time they like bumped into where someone's like, "Why are you leaving?" And they're like, "The writers just like, I have no idea." Yeah, because there's no reason. They could just stay in the town. That's what they do. They now. might as well. They might as well stay in the town. Yeah. Alan found a nice girl. But they they basically they they leave. I believe the the this is pretty close to the actual line. They leave. I don't think it's exactly this, but they're like, "Well, goodbye. We'll never see you again." <laughs> yeah. Oh, and let me mention one thing about them traveling. I think the only
0: reason they haven't been caught by Urko at this point is it's not Urko. His men suck. Oh, yeah. His men suck, like, really bad. Like, his training may not be very good is what you could say about Urko because they're always tripping over each other. And I think it's, like, in the next scene, Galen's just, like, they're, like, hey, where are you going? Galen's, like, yeah, we got to go this way. And the guard's, like, as you were. I was, like, that's it? That's the interrogation you gave these guys? And it's, like, always. I'm, like, that's how they're escaping through everything. The guards suck.
1: You're not wrong. The the guerrillas under Urko's uh, sort of power not very good. No. They're very incompetent. But as they leave, uh, there's something else in that village. Malaria.
0: <laughs> oh, and didn't you love? So what? What we we actually start? We didn't say at the very beginning of the episode. You just see like a a guy, and he's not doing well, and he collapses by a river. And then what you have is um digital. I don't know what you'd call those like
1: it's the little black dots it's like you took the actual film and just drew little dots all over the film so they like sort of jump yeah. around they're like little animated dots on the film like they're like they're not even really it doesn't look good like at this period of time you you could do superimposition like you could do uh, I'm going to forget what the term is but you'd like Reprint the film so you'd have your strip of film and then you'd maybe have a strip of a spaceship mm. And you would just put them on top of each other and then rephotograph that film So they looked like they were on the same piece, they, you know, it never looked perfect But that's how you do. this actually does look like someone took a strip of film and just put little black dots on it To fill in these sort of like little right. mosquitoes. They're like dancing around because you could mistake them for just damaged film.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, at first I, w- I didn't even know it. I was like, "What is that?" I was like, "Oh, that's supposed to be mosquitoes. Gigantic mosquitoes, apparently." But anyways, that's that's the beginning of of the malaria that we find is in the town. This this guy's spread it. Now. He, he, he's he's caught it and he's uh what what do you call it? Uh, patient number one. What do you call patient it? Patient zero. Patient zero. I, patient, I, I went for, I went to number one
1: yeah he's the first number one, one in back. our hearts i did i, I will uh, before i always want to go back i did like those little mosquitoes They're, they were funny they made me laugh yeah they yeah it didn't look good though but essentially everyone in the town starts getting malaria the old man like collapses and has a seizure like yeah he's dead Does Does he dies die? yeah he dies oh man no he's at the end which
0: her dad yeah no he died dies
1: no i think he's at the end
0: he, definitely not she actually says to alan my dad died oh really yeah he died
1: Oof.
0: rough episode
1: yeah for him Versus daughter, uh, sort of the news of this outbreak makes its way back to the Ape High Council, and they've kind of called this a uh, meeting about it because they're worried that it's uh, an old sleeping sickness that hasn't been around but only affects humans. It's, it was around, I guess, in the Orion period. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that little piece of history, yeah. ape history. But they're basically Doctor Zayas has his uh, chief medical officer on there, and they're discussing like maybe it's a good opportunity to quarantine it. Do a little research on how this spreads. We can experiment on some of the humans. It doesn't spread to apes, so like you know, there's no harm to yeah. us, and we can learn about it.
0: They, they, and they, and they're having like a very logical kind of normal conversation about way. And then Urko comes in and he's just like, "Burn it, yeah. burn it!" And they're like, "No, no, okay, wait, there's other things we can do." He's like, "Burn it!" And it's just, I just love that he just he wants to cut through all the bureaucracy. He's like, "Guys, no more talking. All you do is talk." And he's so exasperated. He's like, "I can't believe we're talking about this. Why are we not just burning these people? Burn
1: it!" This is a classic Zayas or Erko argument where yeah. it's like, he does not want anything other than like the hardest, fastest solution. Yeah,
0: they're like, what if we uh tried this medicine? What if we tried that? And He's
1: like, burn it. But anyway, the the council all votes. Zayus gets his way, and uh, Erko's yeah. in charge. It was of the close quarantine. though. It
0: was a close vote. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was uh three to two. Okay.
1: I thought it was close I because th- they have to- another vote later that I thought was closer. I thought this oh. one was like more uh, like not on Erko's side. Maybe I'm thinking the later vote. Because Erko was so so mad. He's like, fine, I'm in charge of quarantine then. That's right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was the later he, vote. He's so pouty about it.
0: <laughs> but we, we didn't talk about there is a really interesting conversation. I don't know if it's now
1: or it was right before where Galen really gives it to Alan. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is kind of I guess this is a subplot and I I guess I did skim over it. And I, we won't have to get into a lot. But Galen is angry because verdun basically told this woman everything about them and galen's just like why do you keep putting us in jeopardy and like throughout this episode like they're gonna find out right away by from a coal carrier is gonna come by and tell them there's an outbreak back in town and they're gonna be like well we got to go back and help them and galen's like why like what can we do like galen's just like you constantly put my life in danger and you don't ask my opinion on it he, he made a valid point it's very true they do it all the time to him and yeah. i actually was just like galen's making a very good point and he's very magnanimous because he still gives in and does the things, but he just wants them to acknowledge that they never ask his opinion or
0: anything. Yeah, yeah, and he's and he's he's the one who's uh, really he's given up the most. Well, he, they're they're just two stupid astronauts that landed in the
1: future. Astronauts. Astronauts, but it will it, come up occasionally through this episode. I'm not going to get into it every time, but there's a bit of like a tension there with Caitlin, it's just like you guys never ask me my opinion. Unrelated.
0: Why was the guy delivering coal to
1: them? He no, he's a coal guy who worked in the town of Tryon. Oh, I thought he was delivering coal to them. I was like, how much coal do they need? I know. I think he was on his way back to town with a new delivery. And when he got there, their quarantine was set up. So they sent him away and he's like running away. from. I see. Okay. And they're like, hey, don't we know you from Tryon? He's like, you bet. I'm the coal carrier. (laughs) But yeah, essentially they they head back. They break past the quarantine. Very easily. Very easily. The guards stop them and they just like walk around another direction, get in there. Verdun immediately goes to work. He's just like, hey, you guys, we need to stop this. Everyone, let's get organized. He just gathers his hand around him. We're going to drain the standing water to get rid of the mosquitoes. We're going to start some fires to get the smoke going, get those mosquitoes yeah, he, he takes charge right away. Bury the dead. Let's get, a, let's get a quarantine zone going. Like He takes charge right away. And as he's doing that, uh, Dr. Zoran moves in. I like Dr. Zoran. He, he was funny. He was like, equal parts dumb and smart.
0: Yeah. So he basically comes in and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold down, human. You don't know anything. This is the sleeping disease or whatever it is. And what was what
1: was the solution he He, he, he wanted posed. to take
0: special I think it was he wanted to take some sort of uh potion of some sort and put it in the water and I think they all had to go into the water like swim in it for a
1: little bit His yeah his first order was dig a pit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right right. I lo- you know what? That's going to be my solution for every problem at work from now on. I'm like, "Okay, hold on everyone, stop fighting.
1: First, dig a pit." Dig a pit. Yeah, he's like, "Dig a pit, fill it with water. I'm going to pour these medicines in it." You all dunk yourselves in one at a time, and then afterward, no male-female contact.
0: Oh, and he had my favorite line of the episode, which I wrote down. Here's what he said to Alan. I don't know whether to have you shot for stupidity or hanged for insolence. <laughs>
1: like, she say, say that at work.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna put no I'm gonna put that above my door. <laughs> like you know people have like, you know, like blast this mess, that's gonna be mine. Jordan,
1: never knows you don't have a door at work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no, at home.
1: <laughs> I don't have a door at work. <laughs> But of course Galen Verdun and Brett start trying to talk sense to Zoran and like starts like trying to explain how yeah. malaria is transmitted from mosquitoes. And he
0: kind of gets the sense. He's like, "Okay. These humans are stupid,
1: but they do seem to know a little bit about something." Well, I do like though he like he starts talking about the mosquitoes and and he's basically like LOL insects, insects <laughs> can't carry diseases. Yeah. But but he does get convinced eventually. You're so crazy with your insects. But yes, uh, he yeah. gets, he's kind of like he, he's not opposed to it because they're telling him this stuff. He's like open to the idea, but skeptical. And then one of the ape, one of the gorilla guards collapses and starts also having seizure and is just like, Oh, this is,
0: I, I like that though. They're like, Oh, it's now of apes. Now it's actually serious before we didn't really care that much. But now that apes are getting sick, this is actually something, oh, yeah. something we should worry about. So then they go back to the council.
1: Well, I think the council comes there. There's like an emergency council meeting right. at the spot and, um, Erko's like freaking out like he wants to burn the place down yeah he's basically ever. like
0: didn't I say burn it Zayas is so basically uh, um, Zoran goes look here's here's my plan it's it's we think it's the mosquitoes everyone kind of laughs they go it. lol mosquitoes yeah, right but but Zayas is like okay, let me hear more about it and basically he likes the idea as I thought this was very true to his character this is another chance for an experiment for him it's basically like let's see what happens like yeah, if it doesn't work, mind. if it doesn't work, they die. Big deal. We
1: get it we want. And then Urko's just fuming. He's like, Burn. Um, why yeah. are you not listening to me? Well, and I do like Zoran. He Zoran, Zoran. Zoran, I think. Yeah. Don't don't mess with the Zohan. Um, he basically like he's like taking credit for it. he's like, I I think it's something called the malaria that I yeah. thought of recently. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic like scene in this video where it's like humans couldn't think of this, so I did. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's always taking credit for stuff in this. But he comes back. He starts working with G- Galen, Verdun, and Burke. They, like, make protective clothes. They get a hospital for the sick. They drain the standing water. They go find these, uh, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this, Chinona tree bark? Yeah, they need to make quinine. Quine- yeah, they're basically making a treatment for Man, I got to say something for Verdun and Burke. If I went back in time or forward in time and had to, like, invent oh. basic stuff, pff, I- I'd be...
0: You know what? I've useless. actually I've actually had this uh, this thought in my head before <laughs> as opposed to somewhere else. Um, You know, if you're stuck in anywhere else in time, even in the past, like I don't have any skills. Like, you know, if like a hundred years ago, they'd be like, you need to do uh, fix a wagon wheel. i be like, I can't. I guess I'll just die of dysentery.
1: Well, you're always just like if I want if you go back in time, you just need to like wow the people who are dumber than you. But it's like I don't know how to make gunpowder. Like I don't know how to do anything that would wow them.
0: Yeah, I guess I wouldn't be able to cure malaria. I didn't know it was from a, a tree bark. Did you? Oh, I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I couldn't even told you it was from mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm
0: sorry. I mean, the, the cure is from uh, a tree bark, not malaria.
1: But yeah, at any rate, these guys kind of know what they're doing. So they, um they go get the tree bark. They start making kind of like a drink to give to the people. Unfortunately, Amy falls sick, his uh, Verdun's lady mm-hmm. love. Is jilted lady love yeah jilted
0: lady love yeah
1: it's very funny i bring it up because she immediately goes delirious and starts like spouting off about how he's a man from another world and Zora, yeah she's a big talker when she's sleeping Zoran's just walking by and he sits down and he's like what 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 yeah he he, he he keeps wanting to get more
0: information but she's giving it in pieces like like you're know, like alan future
1: he's he's a future man you're like all right just spit it out and of course another gorilla falls sick at this point and like Erko just can't take it anymore. Like this is too yeah. far. He's- he basically goes, "That's it. I'm not listening, to you guys anymore." And this is, I think, where they have the next vote. Where basically Doctor Zayas gives them a deadline of noon. If these people they've given medicine to aren't good by noon tomorrow, burn it, burn it all down. And she just doesn't have enough power. Like Erko's swayed the council. It's like you've got till noon, and if it doesn't it happen, we're burning the whole place down. And sort of that night, as they're like, they're like, I don't know. It's only been like twelve hours. I don't know if these people are going to be better or not uh verdun takes a quick walk and he urko won't let his sick ape or sick gorillas take the medicine he doesn't trust he doesn't want them to be experimented on it they don't want his apes experimented on but verdun feels bad this one guy's feeling pretty sick so he sneaks over and like pours some medicine into his mouth to try to help him and these it's really funny he's and then someone hears him and he just drops the medicine and starts getting shot at as he runs away yeah but essentially but the medicine got in medicine got in but Urko finds the medicine laying there and that's like that if you thought the last thing was the final straw this is it yeah. sunrise comes up how dare you try to put your medicine in my guy Urko's not waiting for noon anymore he's riding down the hill with his good man they've got flaming torches Zoran's yelling that he's like he's he's committing treason he's not listening to the council and Urko could not he's just like us. I don't care I don't care and they're a
0: bunch of windbags
1: as he gets there all the all the people wander to the hospital standing, they're all they're all healed miraculously from the malaria. And in yeah. fact, his own gorilla man gets up and walks over and starts telling him he's like, They cured me. Ur- yeah, no, they cured me. He hates it though. He's like, I'm gonna kill you later. <laughs> and basically he has no he has no leg to stand on. And maybe you saw him come down, but somehow Zayas, uh, like suddenly appears next to him. And, yeah, I don't know. And basically sends Urko packing with his tail between his legs. And, yeah. You know, the day is saved, and we get this one really weird denouement scene here where dr zorn has put together that this is I, I like how he hasn't put it together until he hears her re- mad ram- yeah. ramblings he's like wait a minute astro not or the astronauts and you're galen and he's just like well i'm gonna turn you all in because i'm loyal to the people and they're like well if you do we'll tell them that you listen to humans that's how you got your tricks And he's like well they don't believe you're humans and galen's like they'll believe me and he's like well then i'll let you go and he's like well i want those humans he's like what I've uh, why like it's, it's such a confusing. I know. scene I know, it was it was weird because I wrote it was like why are they even doing this at the
0: end? It, like it was just like no no it's like the writer was like no no we're keeping that scene in. It's great. It's like it doesn't it doesn't work in it's this a weird, at all. It's a
1: weird blackmail thing that doesn't make it like he's like well then I'll just turn the humans in and Galen you can go in again he's like well I'll tell them if you turn the humans in I'll tell them that you got the stuff. He's like why would you do that? He's like all right you can all go then I guess. I'm like yeah. well, okay. So he get Alan gets another goodbye with Amy who seems
0: more sad that Alan's leaving than she did when her father died. <laughs> That's why you didn't even know her father died. She didn't
1: even seem to care. Well, uh, you know, she's <laughs> I guess so. I didn't know I, yeah, yeah, I didn't know she cared. Because she's just like, one day I'll tell my children about you and tell them to be just like you and she and, and Alan's. And like, he's like he's like children. Ooh. And then Verdun like kisses her full in the mouth and I'm like, Yeah. Are you or, or are you not cheating on your wife right now? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, he really went for it. Like now Pete, Pete's only uh, ruining
0: all the lives of ape ladies.
1: I was gonna say this. I think all the romance subplots with humans have been for Verdun. Mm-hmm. and if there's a romance plot for pete it's with an ape it's with an ape yeah that's true and we had talked about how he was going to be the lothario he only, it's only love plots with apes for him. do you think it's between the two actors the guy playing alan's like look i know he's a little bit younger than me if he's kissing a lady she's wearing an ape mask <laughs> i think it was the other way i think brooke was like if i'm kissing anybody it's in an ape mask all <laughs> <laughs> right either way that's what he was doing all right well that that's those two episodes yeah um I got a little little tidbit about that last episode for okay. us just, just as we're wrapping it up. Um is, Amy, it, a, is it is it a malaria based tidbit? No, it's about Amy. Okay. The woman who played Amy, Sandra Locke. Um she was uh married to Clint Eastwood, not married, they were they were a uh, couple together. Oh, and she's in six films. I I actually I know
0: him. about her and him. It's it's not a happy oh, story. Oh, it's not a happy story. He treated her very badly. Very badly. Actually ruined her career, Clint
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, re- I didn't realize that's who that was. Yeah, I read about it online. I'm like, this is Clint Eastwood's a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because I-, I was looking at her Anisa I'm just like, oh, uh, the outlawed Josie Wales. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's a, like, this is one of the Dirty Hair movies. And I'm like, oh, this is Gauntlet. And I'm like, she's in all of these Clint Eastwood movies. But yeah, I, I guess uh, they had met on that first one and ended up making a bunch of movies together and were, uh, were a couple for a while. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, hey. And
0: then read about more about it. But yeah, he was not very nice. To yeah,
1: it- he threw her out of the house at some point and then, like, Blacklisted her Blacklisted her Yeah like he like Basically to get out of his life Was like I'll set you up With a directing deal At Warner Brothers But the deal was bunko Like she Everything she brought there They just said no And then she would sue them All again later and win She like she was like So in the right She kept winning the lawsuits Crazy Crazy Clint Eastwood Yeah You're canceled You're canceled (laughs) That's that's your new catchphrase No that's everyone's New catchphrase You're canceled Yeah Have you not heard That catchphrase No That's what happens You're canceled If you're a bad person You're canceled Yeah I didn't hear this. I definitely did not invent that. Okay. I've... Well, I, I,
0: don't ask me. I have no idea what people are saying. It's all crazy out there. I don't know what's happening. All right. Well,
1: let's wrap it up. Let's let's talk about these episodes. Okay. Let's let's give some ratings. What do you want to give the first one for Tyrant? I'll be honest here. I really like Tyrant. Really? Tyrant? I didn't like it that much. It's a well-written episode. Mm. It is essentially an episode of Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It absolutely. Uh, I don't is. know. It's all about elaborate plans misunderstandings and dinner parties
0: <laughs> okay you know what you've won me over i'm still not going to give it as high score as you i know that
1: everything it, it like i actually think it's the best episode
0: oh i disagree
1: it is every it, it's just such a well-tuned little episode i actually loved it i think this is i'm i think it's my favorite episode of the entire series it's a nine.
0: Oh. Oh, luke now i disagree with you it's crazy but, it's the best episode But of the i series. have to say this both these episodes and i told you this before I watched both these episodes at about four in the morning just because of, of my current work schedule. So everything should be tinged through that. I found this episode kind of boring.
1: you are It's, crazy. it's six, crazy. Six out of
0: ten. Six out of ten.
1: It's, we got the same score, just upside down. <laughs> All right. What about The Cure?
0: How bad did you think The Cure You mean, was? You mean purification by fire. <laughs> I like this episode better.
1: That's insane. Yeah. Six and a half. I thought it was a little bit better. I I mean, it was it was a felt like a perfunctory episode of the show. They both did. Come on. No, I honest I swear to god that is was my favorite episode. I, I think it's so well written of the, all the episodes we've watched.
0: May, may, you know what? You like it so much maybe I'll have to go back and watch it again. What I liked about the second episode more is one, Urco was funny. I mean, he's funny in both episodes, but I like that he really wanted to burn things, and I really like the guy that just laid by the river for like three days. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, giving it, I'm giving it a six. I'm giving it a six. Oh, okay. Well, actually, we're pretty close on that episode. Yeah,
1: I, I think, I think it was a pretty perfunctory episode. I could even probably go lower, but I'm gonna cut it a break and give it a six. <laughs> All right, nine. It, it was so good. I honestly, this
0: is like um, when we watched uh, Space Above and Beyond. There was one episode that you and Jane both really liked, and I didn't like it. Remember, it was one and it was oh, like, yeah, a yeah. conspiracy. Maybe that's what it is. You just like these sort of like like underhanded episodes where people are like, being like conniving to one another yeah
1: i love it I love a little back and forth yeah i loved all like there was turns on turns it was great yeah oh jordan
0: it's all right we don't have to agree and and you know what we're now almost to the end of the series we have one more episode yeah there's one le- episode left of uh for us of planet of apes and we're going to watch the last two episodes mm-hmm. we may or may not have a guest you never know
1: we never know Sometimes they show up, sometimes they <laughs> don't.
0: Yeah, and uh, so that's it. Yeah, we, we're going to wrap up this, this series, and we'll see where we're at. I already know this is going to have one of the higher scores of the shows we, show we've watched before.
1: Yeah, I think it'll do okay. I think it'll do okay. Yeah. I, I don't think It's, it's way really better be...
0: than Man of Machine. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it didn't do gangbusters, but it's certainly uh, pr- probably high well, sixes. Well, this nine you had is just going to skyrocket the score. This is the best episode of the series. Hmm. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, you can email us at, at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on Planet of the Apes, and uh, if you want to agree with me that this is the best episode of the series, uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you only want emails where people are agreeing with you. Please only email me if you agree with me. I don't. If you don't, I don't want to hear it. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ContinuumDrag. and we'll uh, we'll have some clips from the show. Um, probably Alan stepping through a window saying, "You mean this bomb? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bad." <laughs> Um, and you know we'll find some other stuff to put up there Uh, hopefully none of it will get taken down by the Instagram police this this time around oh yeah and um, in the meantime I guess we'll see or you'll hear us listener next week for the final episode of Planet of the Apes and uh, Jordan I'll see you then see you then Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario theme music by James Rick Seidler produced by Jordan Delek and Luke Black Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.